listening to episode 102 of DBMcast, not a podcast that tries to help Magic players play the game cheaply but then drops an exorbitant amount of money once a new set releases because they can't help themselves, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on the budget. I'm Emma and I'm joined by the Aeon Torn himself, Angelo. How are you doing today? Hello! Uh, I'm doing lovely, thank you. Uh, last time I was on, I think it was pre-my move. Uh, which was a few months back, but now I'm in my new place, and that's been going great. Going from an apartment to a house is wild. There is so much space, and Frankie, uh, my cat, loves all of it, so that, that's been great. And yeah, I've just been feeling awesome, because when you don't have to worry about a, like finding a place to live, you have so much extra mental energy, and man, fuck capitalism. Can I swear? Yes. You, uh, okay. you realize he's on the show, right? Yeah, no, I just, I don't know. Scott might beep it out. Whatever. Hey everyone, Scott here as I'm editing the podcast. I'm not editing out a single fucking curse word. Anyway, back to the show. <laughs> we'll just put some explicit tags on it. It's fine. Gotcha. As to the charm. Uh, <laughs> Alright, but yeah, so like, I've been feeling great. Feeling real good. Job's been good. Life's been good. I've been brewing decks again because... You know, for a while, pre-move, I was like, am I depressed? And I was like, yeah, kind of, because I might not have a place to live. But now that I'm here, I've built, like, a Falco Spara deck. I've built an Angelo deck. Uh, I just built Kenrith Treasures. Uh, I'm looking at building another deck pretty soon, like putting Kiki-Jiki and Scarab God back together. I've been playing Zelda. Many I am filled with so much energy. Almost capitalism sucks the life out of people when Honestly, stuff goes wrong. Yeah, I found out in January that we were going to have to move. And literally for five months, I felt like garbage. And I'm like, am I just garbage? No, it's capitalism, as always. Regardless, <laughs> enough about me. What about you? How have you been, Emma? <laughs> been good. I'm also busy because I'm starting to tie things up before vacation this week. When this episode goes live, I will be on an aeroplane to America, enjoying life, hopefully, and just relaxing. So it's just been a, a couple of weeks of just doing the work ahead of schedule, because when you do like writing and freelancing, you still have to do the work ahead of schedule, yeah. which is because you don't really get PTO. You kind of yep. take your own time off. So I've been cramming like a month's worth of work in like two weeks, and I'm really Jeez. tired because... Well, capitalism, again. Yeah. So back to that, shall we? <laughs> who would have um, thought? Yeah, who knew? Um, so with that, I do have a bunch of articles going up for the next three weeks. I'm not going to list them all because, to be honest, I'm probably not going to be on social media. I'm just going to be like, a, I'm going to go off grid, most likely. So this week, I have, I look at some of the best zombie cards you can play in Commander. We're going to go a little bit tribal oh, with yeah. Commander. I didn't look at EDH reckless before you get all snarky. I did oh, this I on would, my own. I, me? Snarky? Never. <laughs> <laughs> and then the model on the budget this week is Azorius Spirits, because people love a good tribal deck, don't they? So we did some spirits. With Magic, I did manage to pick up a load of stuff for Double Masters, as alluded to in the intro to this episode. Um, so <laughs> I managed to pick up... <laughs> All the foil commons and uncommons from Double Masters 2022 um, for my cube. Because there's a load of foil, full up borderless treatments, and they seem to be quite affordable. We'll go into it a little bit later on in the episode, but I was quite surprised how cheap a lot of it was. So I'm really excited for those to turn up, probably when I come back from vacation. I'm going to have a really nice fancy looking cube, and that's quite exciting. 
As for Magic, I haven't played any of it just because I've been so busy. However, I will be taking a few Commander decks with me to America and probably get stopped at um, Border Control Customs for, yep. you know, as, as the rite of passage, apparently. <laughs> uh, so, so before we dig into the episode, Angelo, you have a flurry of Cards of the Weeks for us. Like you made up for lost time or something. Uh, yeah. Like, so every time that, like, I listen to an episode... I'm like, oh, okay, are they going to say this card? And then, like, you, you say a different other good card, and I'm like, oh, that's all right, I'm going to write it down. And then I never write it down, and I always forget the cards that I had waiting. But it's okay. I've got three this time. Two of them are reprints, and one's a new card. So, and this is day of recording. Prices might fluctuate. The two reprints are from Double Masters 2022. First one's Panharmonicon. If anyone... Remembers Panharmonicon was around $10 previously, and because of the Double Masters printing, it's now down to four. Uh, it's a very popular casual card, it's just a good card, and at $4, I picked up three of them, and, you know, it was... Yeah, no, and, and we'll talk more about our, our specific orders later, <laughs> but <laughs> but I uh, picked up three of them, and it's just a good card. It goes into a lot of different decks. Second is Bloodforged Battle Axe. People, I don't think, value this card as highly as they should. Yes, it's just a Bone Splinters, but it's a Bone Splinters that keeps splintering. Um, <laughs> and it used to be $20 pre-reprint. Wow. And, yeah, and now it's down to 3 And I think a lot of the reason for its price hike is a there's a lot of arden decks the partner from commander legends who can auto equip things to, mm. to creatures i think any arden deck no matter what flavor it is should be running bloodforge battle axe since you can just equip all of the axes onto one thing at once hit someone make more axes do things like that it gets around uh the equip cost uh which is only two mana but you know the more axes you have the harder it is to equip but then you also have other commanders like uh, Chishiro from Kamigawa who want uh, creatures to be modified via auras or equipments. Uh, you also have the Akiri from Battle for Zendikar, which cares about multiple creatures being equipped itself. So there are just multiple commanders that, especially recently, either care about there being multiple equipments or there being multiple creatures equipped. And at $3, I think Bloodforge Battle Axe is a steal right now. And then the last card, this one's from Commander Legends Baldur's Gate, which is a set we've already gone past, Wild. It's 25 cents. It's called Agent of the Iron Throne. It's one of the backgrounds. And it is two and a black for an enchantment. Commander creatures you own have, whenever an artifact or creature you control is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, each opponent loses one life. We've seen a similar effect on Bastion of Remembrance from Ikoria, in which case we trade the Draining Life for procking off of artifacts for Agent here. And yes, you need to have your commander out, but with all of the new treasure cards, with all of the already very good Aristocrats decks, this is just an extra way for them to either you know kill opponents or drain them down to a point where they are then easily killable. You know, I, I put it into my Kenrith Treasure deck as a way to just dome everyone for 10 when, while I'm just casting my spells and sacrificing my treasures. Uh, it just seems like a very good card. And Bastion of Remembrance, if I'm not mistaken, is 
over $2, and again, it doesn't drain, but the artifact synergy there too is fairly relevant, I think. Yeah, because I believe Bastion of Remembrance, you said it was from Ikoria, which is a Pandemic set, so yep. that card's just going to be expensive anyway, because yeah. no one opened Ikoria, so yeah, this is a good pick, because it's like free mana as well, which is just easy to do when you're spewing out treasures left, right, and center. Yep. Right then, so with Angelo and his multiple cards of the weeks, basically we're just going to have a chat about what we've been up to, cards we've picked up. As you all know, Scott's currently away this weekend at Command Fest Birmingham, slinging some spells at you know various people. So we're just going to have a chat and then we're going to round it out with some Q&A. You have some thoughts on uh, Battles for Baldur's Gate that you really want to like share with the group, or the group as yeah. in the BMS. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, hello again, everyone. I am Budget Scott this week, uh, and... <laughs> hey, everyone. Scott again. I just felt compelled to jump back in and let Angelo know that he is not a budget version of myself. He is his own unique, valuable thing. You do you, king. And I've seen a lot of people being like, oh, everyone's sleeping on Baldur's Gate. And then I've also seen other people being like, oh, Baldur's Gate is too weak. And, like, I think both are true, but I also think the main issue here is that if you count alchemy horizons on arena baldur's gate we're already two sets past commander legends baldur's gate which came out literally a month ago and yeah and i don't think anyone's necessarily sleeping on it and i don't think the cards are necessarily weak though both of those can be true i just think that we've gone past it way too fast um it's there's a lot of hidden gems in there there's a lot of fun interesting cards like there there aren't your jessica's wills there aren't your jeweled lotuses there aren't format defining staples but there are a lot of cards that either help drive niche strategies or really fun splashy cards or more importantly very fun to build around cards the modality of having the background legends plus the backgrounds themselves really contributes to the ability to create really fun and interesting decks. And to me, that's what I think a Commander Legends set should be doing. I think that first and foremost, you should be getting interesting legends because those are honestly the backbone of the format. Everything else kind of comes secondarily. We don't have a lot of people just utilizing commanders for their colors anymore because there are so many. Back in the day... You know, Child of Alara, you know, that that was one of, like, you know, six, five-color commanders, and it'd be like, oh, well, this could literally be anything. But, you know, nowadays, with so many commanders and so many different colors, you don't need to make those concessions of, oh, well, I want to do X deck, but uh, I'm just using so-and-so commander for these colors. And I, I, I think that's great. The important part now isn't making wide-reaching commanders like Muldrotha. Which, you know, Muldrotha's fine, but, you know, she's so ubiquitous in Sultai, that's why she's, like, the most popular one. Now we need to start focusing in on the niche legends and the niche interactions and the niche strategies. And I think Baldur's Gate did that very well. There's a lot of interesting cards. Yeah, and you have all these backgrounds, so you can just kind of, like, build your own commander mm-hmm. identity, essentially. Um, I will say I really enjoyed Battle for Baldur's Gate draft, as in the actual, like, pre- I did a couple of pre-releases. I just really enjoyed the fact that you could just draft a commander deck and you mm-hmm. can play multiples. You have so many ways to, like, either, you know, get legendary cards or 
tailor it with backgrounds. I just think that was like some of the most fun pre-releases I've had just because it wasn't competitive. People weren't mm. like trying to min-max nor think about value. They just wanted to have a good time because it's, it's just Commander, right? Yeah. So I went to Command Fest Richmond. Great time. Got to hang out with a lot of people. Nice. I, I fully played one pre-release and then I drafted in two and then dropped because I, I didn't have enough time. Mm -hmm. I, it seems like I'm the odd one out because anytime I bring this up, people are like, really? That was not my experience. I love the drafting portion. I'm a huge limited player. I love the drafting portion. I hated playing with random people. Play, like The pod that I was in just was not a fun time. And yeah. that isn't the fault of the set by any means. But there's a reason why we play Commander with our friends usually. Yeah, and I, I don't know if That's... this is a an experience you had, Emma, but the, the gameplay itself, the gameplay was fine, but just with three random people, just did not have fun. For me, um, because there was only eight people, like eight people, so we had two pods and had one table for a draft, and they're all people I knew, they were all locals at my LGS, so they're gotcha. friends, they're people I would play Commander with. Um, nice. No, that's good. It's going to be more likely at like a command fest you're going to have random people because it's a huge convention and event right i think my experience would be similar if i was playing against random people and mm -hmm. just not having that sort of rapport um but i was lucky to the two i did were the people that i play commander with regularly with anyway but yeah like i think my only criticism of baldur's gate draft was there was a couple of commanders that you can draft that are really polarizing one okay. of them, I forgot her name, but it's the Is It Dragon Uncommon that whenever you play a dragon or an adventure spell, yep. you deal damage. And it was just, like, absurd. <laughs> I forced it in my good. second pre-release and I just didn't lose a game because it was just, like, you just play this value game and you're just like, oh, I play a dragon, I'm going to ping this. Because no one deals damage. <laughs> like, nope. it's, it's a really weird limiter format. Like that's why goading exists, I imagine, just to force people to attack. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have these and, long and games Myriad. otherwise. Oh, and Myriad as well. That's another good one. Yeah. But yeah, did. I just found some of the some of the commanders to be polarizing if you just knew what you were doing. Mm -hmm. um, but that's you're gonna have that in limiter formats, I think. Yeah, and, and just for the listeners, the card is uh, Lozan Dragon's Legacy. That's uh, it. She, yeah, she's a four-two flyer for five. And then whenever you cast a, an adventure or dragon, you can deal damage equal to the mana value to anything that isn't a commander. And no, she's A, very strong. Just a 4-2 flyer in limited is good, especially if there aren't a lot of flyers. But then just being able to like ping stuff off while also just getting value. There are a lot yeah. of adventure dragons in the format. Like, They're all high value ones as well. They're like 6-7 yeah. mana as well. So you can just like keep shooting off opponents. <laughs> And I had um, a card, I forgot the name, there was another legendary that could, I could bounce a card back to my hand, so you could just kind of make this loop. Jeez. It was like a blue halfling rogue, I forgot, I, I'm oh. terrible with names because there's so many legendaries. But I have one of those, and it was just like yep. kind of chaining off, and it was just like, yeah, this seems a bit messed up <laughs> for limited. <laughs> yeah, no, there's um, there's some, some nutty stuff that you can do in the format, uh, and the... The one that you're thinking of, I believe, is Alora Mary Thief, where yeah, that's it, it, it can get unblockable and then it, it bounces the creature back to your hand. Yeah. Like, imagine Lozan I, with, like, I think it's, like, Young Blue Dragon or something. It has, like, the opt on one half, and then it's, like, a, yeah. a six-mana flyer. And that, that's yeah. eight damage you throw around the table. That's nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it's, it's just because you're not able to deal that much damage in Commander, like, mm -hmm. or at least in this set. So just having something that actually kills stuff just seems massive. 
Yeah, definitely. No, having interactions really good, especially like there was a lot of interaction in the format, but I don't think people were picking it that highly. No, um, I was like lightning bolts. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah sick. I'll take <laughs> give, those. Give me. I play that in Commander. Give me lightning bolts. Yeah. <laughs> um, but another good thing about Baldur's Gate that I've noticed, I know we're like two sets mm-hmm. ahead now since the release, is, is how affordable most of the cards are. I've mm-hmm. managed to pick up a load of stuff for cheap just because I assumed people just opened too much of it because of the first yeah. Commander Legends and just had that hangover. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people bemoaning the fact that there's like no value in the set uh, aside oh. from, I think... Ancient Copper Dragon and Archivist of Agma. I think, like... I think all the dragons are are valuable now. The Ancient Dragons. Okay. Yep, okay. Um, Yep, you're right. They're at least, I think, like, 25 and up. Spice of Kitten, I think, is another one that's I think it's, like, 15. Yeah. And, like, those are all concentrated at Mythic, and then you have the two rares. And so, like, I get the feel-bads there. But also, if you're just looking up, like, looking to pick up singles, like... It's so cheap to like get stuff out of the set. That's like re- that's really good. Like it's not yeah. good necessarily for stores, but like for players themselves. Like for people who don't follow me on Twitter, I posted a couple weeks back when the the set released that I ordered all of the partner command or the background commanders and everything because I just want to have that collection. I have all of the partners. I have all the friends forever. I have all the background commanders now. Doing all of that, I think, was like under $50, whereas, you know, wow. if you want it... Yeah, and, and this is all in the foil-etched version, too. And, you know, if I want to do that with the partners, you know, I mean, which I did, just Vile Smasher and Thrasios on their own would be $50, you know? Yeah. Like, so it, it's really nice that, A, you could get so many cards for so cheap, but also you can get, like, the blingy versions if you want, too. Like, that that's something else that's really nice. Budget bling is a thing. Huh, yep. um, yeah. It's just a really good thing to have access to. Um, I opened a Mazzy Trusor Paladin in one of my packs. And mm. I was like, I kind of want to build like a Bogles deck now. Because the edge foil <laughs> looks sweet. And it's a really yep. interesting take on like the Bogle strategy. Because you get to recast the auras. Yeah. Um, so I might build that at some point. And I'm tempted to make it a challenge of building it with cards in my house. Yep. yep. Uh, a found deck. Yes. Um, no, that's awesome. I think I could, I could, I think I could make something with that at some point. Yeah, that's very on brand. Yeah, or like a twenty dollar sort of cap just to pick, just to get like the rest mm. of the lands or something, or you know, whatever. But no, I really enjoyed Baldur's Gate. I'm just kind of sad that we've moved on it from it so quickly, thanks to you know Double Masters 2022, which is mm. the opposite of you know yep. <laughs> cheap. Well, it's cheap to an extent, but yep. in what the set is looking to do is, is a high premium set and you've got some thoughts on that haven't you Angelo yeah I um I don't know I like I like Double Master sets they're they are premium products quote unquote they're not for everyone yeah but I mean you know I'm, I'm lucky enough right now after the move and with my job and everything that I've gone to three draft events at $50 each which you know, that's a lot of money. That it, That is a lot of money to play Magic. Yeah. But I've enjoyed every second of it. The draft format's been great. And I know that I've seen a lot of people, particularly on Twitter, being like, oh, well, do we need to focus on the draft format? Do we need to do this? Can't we just reprint cards? I, I think you do need to focus on the draft format for two reasons. Uh, uh, all right. You need to focus on the draft format for two reasons, with the caveat of you also need to make sure that you're getting good reprints out there, which in this case they did. 
the first reason I think that you need to focus on the draft format is because when you focus on the draft format, you're also focusing on Pauper. And I know that that's relevant yes. to you, Emma. Where, oh, yeah, where, you know, you you now have Monastery Swift Sphere in the format. You have Vampire Sovereign. You're getting a lot of, like, interesting cards. And you wouldn't really be able to get those downshifts if the themes in the set for draft weren't the themes that they were. Um, yeah. You know, part of the reason why we have 10th District Legionnaire as a common now instead of an uncommon is because in red-white, you can either do red-white-blue for prowess stuff and auras and targeting your things, or you can have red-white-green, which is just the heroic builds. And so having mm -hmm. that card at the intersection of both means, oh, well, we're going to want that card at common. That way people see it and they're going to draft it more often. It's going to help push that theme. And so yeah. by focusing on the draft format, you're going to get pop more pauper downshifts and more good pauper downshifts. There's some really sweet downshifts. I'm very happy. It's like yeah. 30 cards that are downshifted. Yeah, no, it's great. And like most of them are good. Yeah, exactly. I can't remember a set having so many downshifts in one go. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really happy. Even with Swiss Beer, I think Swiss Beer is going to be a great addition. Yeah, Outside definitely. Me. I've been very impressed by 10th District Legionnaire. Like that's just a good card. And yeah. the more I've played with it in draft, I'm like, oh, I might, I might want to like do Pauper now. Like I, I, I used yeah. to dabble in Pauper, but with all the cool downshifts, it's making me want to do it more. Yeah, um, this is it. This is another reason why I love these downshifts is because people have association with the cards that are downshifted. Look at mm -hmm. Monastery Swiftbeer. People play it in Modern and Pioneer. They play Burn decks. They may have played it in Ataka Red back in Standard when Cards was legal. And they just have this association. You're like, you know what? This this really cool card that I've played for years is now pauper legal. I'm going to look into pauper. Cartel Aristocrat is another good example. Also recently got a downshift. And mm -hmm. it just gives people that excitement of, oh, sweet, I can make a deck out of the cards I play because I play like Burn and Prowess, which mm -hmm. is commons anyway, let's be honest. So you can just yeah. extend that. And it's just a really good way to advertise the format. Yeah. No, it's awesome. I've killed so many people with Vampire Sovereign that I'm like, ooh, can I do this in Pauper? I just want to play this big vampire Seed <laughs> yeah. Rhino. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it, actually. I didn't think yeah. of that. <laughs> um, but second, I think the, the, the more important, uh, not... No offense, Emma. The more important reason to necessarily yeah, focus sure. on the draft format over Pauper is what I what I was just saying is I've spent $150 total on three drafts. Mm -hmm. I would not have spent $150 on this set to open packs on their own. Same. Yep. And so by going and doing drafts, I'm getting three packs on their own plus uh, whatever prize packs get added to the pool, in which case... I went to, uh, I've gone 2 1 in every one. So I've gotten two extra packs. So that's 15 packs. That's 15 packs that I've opened, which is 30 rares, which are 30 rares, and, I mean, and uncommons because there are good ones like Eternal Witness, etc., that are now open and available for me to either sell, trade, or use that would not have been there previously. That does not sound like a lot. Because, oh, it's 30 rares, but multiply that by all of the other people going out and drafting. Yeah. By drafting and getting all of these people out to go draft, you are getting more of these things out into the market. And because a lot of these people wanting to go out and draft are not commander players, but they are then opening commander cards, they're then going to want to get rid of them. 
which will then add more supply to the market, which will then bring prices down. And if you just focus a set on only putting in expensive cards, yes, people will want to buy packs, but you will not get as much of the supply out there as you would if you focused on draft. And not only that, you aren't also getting people to engage with the product outside of just opening it for money, which I don't think is a, a good thing to do at all. My, uh, the the Double Masters draft is one of the most fun draft formats that I've played in a very long time. My roommate... Really? Yeah. My roommate's been just firing Phantom Draft after Phantom Draft after Phantom Draft on Moto because he's been loving it so much. It's just an incredibly fun time. Being able to have that kind of experience as well as knowing that, yeah, prices are going to go down, I'm going to do whatever... Like, I can also still order the cards that I want or use the cards that I open to trade for the things that I want is very important, very good, and I think is an important part of why they need to focus on the draft portion of these kinds of sets. I agree. I haven't been able to do a draft because just timing and I believe (laughs) my LGS, like, they put them, they put, like, three up over the weekend and they went immediately because it's double masters. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot of demand there, right? I'd like to draft it. I might just do it on Magic Online. Doing a Phantom one sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of multicolor sets because Kanzataki was the first set I played Magic in. Oh, that nice. was a multi- three-color multicolor set. So yep. I feel like I'd, I'd be pretty good because that's all I played when I first started. So I do I do like the, uh, like the three-color sort of draft formats. But no, as I said earlier, I was just really surprised how cheap and affordable these foil borderless cards are. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like the uncommon common ones is the ones I'm focusing on. Yeah. And um, like all the like all the bounce lands, I've got like all of them for like under twenty pounds, which is incredible considering yeah. they're foil and full art, right? That's awesome. And uncommon. I think the most expensive one I paid was Flicker Wisp, which was five pounds because it's Flicker Wisp. Yeah. But all the rest were like under three pounds, which is just ridiculous when you think about how people tend to value these foil borderless cars. They see they see them as exotic and they assume that that means they're expensive but they're not mm-hmm. and it's just really good for someone like me who wants who wants a really flashy peasant cube and yeah. i imagine you picked up some stuff for cube as well i don't know if there was any innistrad themed um, there, cards much to my you chagrin have an cube. yeah there were yeah uh hi everyone i have an innistrad cube if you're on twitter <laughs> you know that um because i don't shut the fuck up about it um but <clears throat> <laughs> there were only two cards that I ordered because one was Blood Artist, which was again on Innistrad, so I'm going to compare the two, see which one I want. Yeah, the other one's Vampiric Rites, which was originally in Battle for Zendikar, but that's now on Innistrad, so it's cube eligible. Don't know if I'm going to put it in. It's a good card. It's a very good card. Yeah, but uh, those were the only two that I picked up um, for my cube. For EDH, though... Yeah, that's uh, what, that's the next list for me. So I, I really wanted to get the cube stuff out of the way because there was like 30 cards I wanted to get. Most yeah. of them are stuff I have, but I really like the full art foil borderless mm. treatment. Um, I picked up a couple of the downshifts as well because there was a load of downshifts to Uncommon um, yep. as well. Like Mentor of the Meek, I picked up one of those because that just seems sweet yep. and cube. Um, but for Commander, there are some stuff I want to pick up. But I'm close to being in that range of just picking these generically good commander cards that I can slot into any deck, which compromises the identity of my commander deck, if that makes <laughs> sense. And I'm talking about, you know, Smothering Tithe, Dockside. Yep. Y- yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I, I think I saw you talking about that on Twitter. 
And yeah, it's it's easy. It's an easy trap to fall into, especially when smothering tithe. Like at least in England, I could pick one up for like fifteen pounds, which is half the price. Yep. Than it was before the reprint. Yeah, I I understand your concern. All right, hold on. For people who don't know, uh, I I have a lot of commander <laughs> decks. I care about commander a lot. Um, more importantly, I care that my decks like function. I don't play like CEDH, but. I do want my decks tuned. I want them to go. I want to win. I enjoy winning. I'm a fairly competitive person. And I think to me, the most important part about a deck is that it just, it does the thing. And even if I need to utilize like Smothering Tithe to do the thing, even if the thing isn't like treasures or whatever, I'm going to do it. I won't put like Dockside into a Dragon Tribal deck because it's not a dragon, but like any deck that is, you know generically good kiki jiki yeah here i'll put dockside in because like it has an etb effect it fits the theme it does whatever i'll put into kenner treasures because like it makes treasures like i get it but also don't shoot yourself in the foot there's a reason why these cards are good like i know that yeah you're worried i know about... but yeah but like, i think sheldon mentioned something there about this just saying how a lot of decks just look similar because they just play these really independently good cards. They don't mm. need the synergy. They're just really good at what they do. Mm. Um, I'm tempted to add Dockside to Quintorius just because I'm a Boris deck. Boris yep. is really terrible at ramping, let's be honest. And I don't really yep. want to deal with the the sort of maintenance that comes with Smothering Tithe because it feels like a nag. And I don't really want to nag people going, oh, do you pay, you know... X yep. for drawing a card. That just seems a lot of effort. Whereas Dockside, I can get some treasure and move on. One card I do want to pick up for Quintorius is Crucible of Worlds, because that's a great reprint. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a big one for Quintorius. Um, I yeah. think that's the one I'm looking forward to most. Are you getting the Borderless or the uh, regular one? I'm probably going to get the Borderless one. I'm not interested in the Edge Foils. Um, mm-hmm. One, because they're going to be super expensive, because I believe the pull rates are much lower on those compared to... Yep. The normal and borderless ones, but the borderless one looks sweet. But I'll see what the price is like in a few weeks, um, because the set is still fairly new. Yeah. What about you? What are you looking to pick up? So I was monitoring prices pretty closely, and um, they dropped a lot on Friday, obviously, because the set got released. Uh, they kept dropping Saturday, and so basically, because again, I'm in a relatively comfortable position at the moment. I was like, well, I'm going to pick up the things that I want now because if they go down from here, that's okay. I'm comfortable with the price that I bought them at. But if they go up, I'm happy to have bought them at this price. So I picked up three Docksides. I I had gotten rid of mine when it hit 80. So, uh, and and hold on, also just real quick, another important thing to remember about Master Sets, and I, I was explaining this to someone in my Discord, or not my Discord, but in the EDH Direct Discord, where, where I also moderate, a lot of people haven't been around for Master Sets because they're new players. They don't understand how the Master Sets impact the uh, prices of things. But basically, these sets aren't going to suppress prices long-term. These prices basically put cards on layaway. So they will cut cards' costs in half or more. The chase cards will then rebound, and then the cheaper cards won't. They'll stay suppressed. Things like uh, Sidisi and Carador are probably going to stay low because now there's so many printings of them, people don't need a lot. But things like Crucible Worlds, Teferi's Protections, Dockside, going to go back up. Regardless, that was a minor side tangent. 
Picked up three Docksides, picked up two Foil Teferi's Protections. Those were 20 nice. on their own. Yeah, Teferi's Protection was like 35, dropped to 20, Foils are the same price. I'm like, yeah, I'll pick up some yeah. Foils. These ones don't curl. Actually, the most expensive card I picked up from Double Masters is mm. uh, City of Brass, but the Full Art Borderless mm. one, because it nice. was like £15, and I was like, nice. this is really cheap. That's going to go back yep. up at some point. Also goes in Cube, because it's an Uncommon at one point. Wait, was it an uh, Uncommon? Yeah, it was an Uncommon in some really old set. Oh my god, I had no yeah, exactly. idea. Um, so I was like, yeah, I need one of these because I don't own one. I've got like a proxy one from AAK yeah. Elders at the moment. Um, so mm-hmm. I really wanted to pick up one. Um, I digress, carry on. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 that, that's cool. I, I learned something today. I didn't know City of Brass yeah, was a uh, common or uncommon. uncommon, but it's peasant legal. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, it was in, It was an uncommon in Arabian in Nights. Dark? Arabian Nights, yeah. Yeah, wow. All right, okay. sorry. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I picked up the fairies protections. I picked up my docksides. I picked up uh, other things for my cube just because, you know, th- those were commons and uncommons that I just, like, threw in there. Picked up two seasoned pyromancers. I do need to oh. pick up one of those because I think that could go in Quintorius as well because it's just yeah. a draw and discard. Mm-hmm. That that card's just really good on its own, just being yeah. able to like do the the whole looting thing, making the bodies. Like it's generally good in a lot of red decks, whether you're an aristocrats deck or like a blink deck or a discard deck. Like it's it fills a lot of roles. And then I uh, picked up the panharmonicons, like I had mentioned. Uh, picked up my smothering tides. Picked up two of those, um, just because I'm I'm out of smothering tides because I started trading <laughs> yeah. them away when they were thirty five. Reasonable. Yeah, and then along with that, just another card that I want to highlight that isn't in the set, but I put into with my order was Black Market Connections from yeah. the Baldur's Gate Commander decks. It's a slightly different Phyrexian Arena, but it's very good, and it's about fourteen to thirteen dollars right now. If you're like, if you got fifteen bucks and you're like, what's a good card I could buy? Oh, look at that one. That card's very good. That's oh, very good. I yeah. have one in Tasha. Yeah, yeah, it's it's strong. Another thing with Double Masters that I'm considering is picking up modern play sets of stuff. I know mm-hmm. we don't really talk about modern too much because you know you're a commander person. Um, but no, just please. seeing just seeing Force of Negations drop down to like thirty to thirty five pounds, which is what forty five fifty dollars. It's just like really yeah. tempting just to snap up a play set and then kind of forget about them and then use them at some point because, you know, it's a, mod- a modern staple. It's just like, mm-hmm. that just seems really good stonks if you yeah. can afford it. <laughs> I mean, I've been, while I am a commander player, I have Jeskai Control together for modern. I have Eldrazi Tron together for modern. Like, I, I have the decks, and I've been sitting on my playset of Force of Negation since, you know, the original Modern Horizons. They're just great cards to have. If you're going to be playing blue, you'll probably want those. Um, yeah. You know, and like we've been saying... If you're in the spot to, like, pick them up, pick them up now when they're cheap, because the, those yeah. those ones will go back up. You know? They're on layaway right now, so... That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Only uh, only for a few months. Yeah, yeah, this is it. You need to be sensible with your, with your timing, because mm-hmm. they'll get really expensive if the last Double Masters was anything to go by. So, with all that wrapped up, we're going to delve into some Q&A. Um... It's got quite a lot this week because everyone wanted to ask Angelo questions. So I hope you're ready. I feel so popular. <laughs> so first up, we got a question from Ev the Mage ninety seven. Uh, they ask, 
How do you both feel about modular commander decks? You know, the commander decks that are built with the idea of a mix and match of partner and background cards. Like, what is your thoughts on these sort of switch and play commanders? Well, I, I've thought about them for a while. I've thought about doing them before. Personally, before background commanders, uh, and, and even now for the most part, not a huge fan. I'm more of a theme and synergy kind of person where... My decks might take a little while to, to get going, but once they get going, they're they're just going to go. And yeah. if with, with a lot of the mixing and the matching, I feel like you end up losing a lot of that. And so it doesn't appeal to me personally, except there's one commander from Baldur's Gate. I believe his name is Baloth, the, uh, the goad guy. Yeah, uh, Baloth Baratil Entertainer. He's uh, a 2-5 five for 5. Creatures your opponents control with power less than him are goaded. Whenever a goaded attacking or blocking creature dies, you create a treasure token. And then he has choose a background. In every color, there is at least one background that will modify power in a different way. And I think that that is actually really cool because you still get the whole... You're focusing on power. You're going to want um, Baloth to do the thing. You're going to want him to get big to keep goading things. And so, like, that through line is there in every single color. But you're doing different flavors of it. And so I like that a lot. Yeah. But that's kind of the only one that I enjoy. Uh, otherwise, I'm just, like, lukewarm on the concept. What about you? Yeah, it just... I'm going to sound really lazy for a second. Sounds like <laughs> a lot of effort. Yeah. <laughs> just give me a commander deck and I'll play it I don't need it like I understand people love that sort of here's a core I'm going to add di have different colours that do different things I believe Scott's done it I believe Scott's done an article on it for Card Kingdom which if he has you should check it out there's a plug for you Scott here hopefully for the last time that is correct it is out this week you can go check it out on Card Kingdom Um, <laughs> I just like I appreciate the idea and the novelty of it. It's just I don't I don't play Commander enough to have that bandwidth, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we got a question from the Joe Cheney, and they ask: The other day, someone bemoaned the death of competitive uh, events ran by Watsi, and asked why Command Fest can't accommodate for sixty card constructed in the same way Magic Fest and GPs have done. Uh, previously for commander and casual players their request for their concept for this was met with a lot of aggression from commander players claiming victimhood and you know there was a lot of targeted hate and stuff like that it, th there was some discourse mm. around it because it's magic let's be honest yeah um, so joe asks why are magic players so unable to pass you know nuance and just knee jerk to negativity i think is the best way to put it uh would you like to go first or would you like me to <laughs> Um, so I can go first. While I can see the point of... I'm not going to name names who tweeted this because I'm not going to bother. Um, I can understand why Commander players felt the need to react the way they did. Because way back when, before the pandemic, which admittedly feels like quite a long while ago now, Commander players were at GPs playing Commander on the floor. There was like no table space. Um, I know we're quick to forget that because things have changed since then. But... Commander players were forgotten about for such a long time when it came to like GPs before Magic Fest. You know, they were neglected. So now there's these Command Fests where Commander players can actually go to an event, see their friends, play Commander in a space that isn't, you know, the floor. And that's fine. So I think the reason Commander players just felt a bit unjust by it is because they kind of had it rough way before most people realise. And I also get 
that you could have some 60 card events at these command fests, but no one's going to turn up to them. Probably not because they're commander players. It's, it's mm -hmm. different. It's catering for different audiences. You can have two things, but not like both of them. You can ignore one and do the other. Not everything that applies to you, I think, is where I'm kind of leaning on. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, honestly, even as a commander player, I totally forgot that, you know, there were times where it was like, hey, guys, all of you have to move. We're using these tables yeah. for, you know, draft or this event or this or that because there, there wasn't any space for commander stuff. Mm. And I think, <laughs> I think kind of like with the EDH versus CDH discourse, everyone <laughs> should try and get along. Uh, we, we all yeah. play the same game. The issue, though, uh, and, and I think there's a couple, is that commander players, particularly casual commander players, and I, I've seen this notion before, and I, and I do agree with it, I've also seen it, casual commander players have the tendency to react very viscerally to things because they are very invested. It's kind of like what Mark Rosewater talks about, where he gets a lot of visceral comments and responses to things, and the way that he does his best to kind of go through all of those things and all of these feelings is yeah these might be their negative feelings or positive feelings or whatever but they're all born from being very invested and caring i'm not saying that the way that people are showing that they're caring is good but yeah. i think that's part of the reason for it the second part where it's why are magic players unable to parse nuance and react negatively i think honestly we're kind of as magic players, wired to take things literally. When you read a magic card, you literally need to read it as literally as... I said literally, but you know what I mean. Like, you need <laughs> yeah. to act, do it it's exactly... Facts. Yeah, there is no nuance there. We have layers, we have facts, we have a fa <laughs> we, we have all of these things that we, we look at and there isn't room for nuance. And I'm not saying, oh, well, we're gonna... We're letting the game bleed into real life. But I think especially when you're on Twitter and you're literally simply reading text as opposed to talking with someone, hearing yeah. someone, engaging with them one-on-one, one -on -one, and you're just seeing that text, there's a very, like, e it's an easy way to, to just look at it and go, yep, no, whatever they are saying is exactly what is on this and nothing yeah. more. Also, reading tone online through text mm -hmm. is very difficult, too. Um, but yeah. I think a lot of people struggle with that and not just magic players. 100%. Um, um, you make a good point about how players are invested, but they don't know how to use the correct language because mm -hmm. we I get that with Pauper. Pauper yep. fan base, Pauper community is extremely invested and they're very critical and, and can sometimes be very negative. Um, I but, can only imagine. But boiling it down, they do care. They really love the format. They just choose either choose not to or don't know how to use the correct language and it's just trying to pull pull weeds essentially and get there it's really difficult yep. some people don't have patience for it some do that's what it is yeah so we have another question from spike feeder alex would you rather see more secret layer commander deck products or more convention only experiences draft products so the mystery boosters is a really good example and the Gavin deck from the secret layer where you could just buy a commander deck as a secret layer drop. Yeah, this one's a tough one. Um, I, hmm. So here's the context for my answer. Up until Richmond, I have not been going out to events because despite what everyone might think, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. And 
Therefore, I've had little to no experience with the Mystery Booster uh, Convention Edition. Also, on top of that, Mystery Booster is not a product that I personally would enjoy. I like very curated, concise draft formats, and having a, a format that's like 2,000 cards, not for me, and that's, a, that's totally fine. Therefore, I would prefer the Commander product via Secret Lair because, A, it's a full Commander deck, even if it is $100, but it is a $100 Commander deck, and every card at that point is priced at a dollar. Like, every... And that that is a good deal if you are invested in magic. Even if you're just going to pull the deck apart, there will be cards in there that you would have had to spend more money on otherwise to do that, or you could just utilize the deck that you just bought. And a lot of the times with pre-constructed decks, you know, now they're around $60, and you're still not getting, like, really good cards. You're getting a lot of, like chaff in there still the, the deck, decks have come a long way decks are great by the way it's just when you're comparing it specifically to the secret lair deck that deck is a functional coin flip deck right out of the box you should not have to make that many changes to it like it's just a very good deck and if they make more decks in this vein using those same kind of ideas and properties i think that is a good idea it is expensive, though. $100, I get it. Like, that's kind of a, a sticker shock. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it, because I haven't done the Mystery Booster thing. I'm not big on <laughs> Chaos Drafts anyway, so, like you, I don't think it's for me. It's far too far too chaotic for me, and I know some yep. people appreciate that. I like the idea of just having Secret Lair Commander decks. My issue <laughs> is it's a Secret Lair thing, so it's like a timed because it's that's yeah. how they do their stuff i kind of wish they were that. more evergreen and have these more regular but that's that's a different discussion and um, so we got a question from the white wing and they ask which color in magic needs the most help right now and what does what does that help you know what does it look like definitely not red red seems really good in commander right now like yep. ridiculously uh, i have i have a hot take but i will wait I, i'll let you go first um, I'm probably going to say blue, but that's coming mm. from very little experience. Okay. Being, like thinking of Commander, like there's been some really good red cards, there's been some really good white cards, you've got some great mm. green cards with like Norbone and Bootlegger Stash, maybe it's like recency bias, I'm not sure. Mm. But it feels like blue could do with some love, perhaps. I yeah. don't know if I'm right or wrong here. <laughs> no, I, I could see that. Um, so, okay. So I'm thinking more like broadly. I wasn't necessarily thinking commander, but I could see in in more competitive environments, blue does not need the help. But I think you are correct in more casual environment because, like, what does blue have? Like cyclonic rift, I guess. You know, like what 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 are some of the the fun blue cards? There aren't a whole lot of fun blue cards in general, though. I think black needs help because black is supposed to be able to efficiently kill creatures, answer threats, be able to to go through and, uh, you know, discard cards, etc. And there have been some good discard cards recently in terms for standard and things like that, but when every creature now draws a card or gives you some other kind of advantage or allows you to do whatever... Creatures do a lot of things now. Infernal Grasp, which is, you know, two mana, kill a creature, you lose two life. 
which is like very efficient. That's like really, really good. It still falls behind. Like we just saw Hero's Downfall, which was one of the most efficient black kill spells from from Theros of in that era, four of in that standard format, get reprinted at uncommon, and it is nowhere. It is not it is not seeing play in standard. Or if it is, it is it isn't to the extent that it used to. I remember and, when it was a ten, fifteen dollar card. Yeah. So. Yeah, like and, and that's and that's the thing. Like, in order to keep up with creatures now, you're gonna have to make a hero's downfall that draws you a card because your opponent probably drew a card when they played a creature or you're going to need to have a Thoughtseize variant and I know that Watsi was like oh well we printed Thoughtseize in Theros we don't like what it did to the format etc etc totally get that that's fine but if your threats are that good and are just replacing themselves your removal is going to need to as well because otherwise it's not going to keep up which we've been seeing, and it's not going to do a whole lot. And Black's whole thing is being able to do that. And always yeah. making them have to pay a cost to do that is interesting in theory. If your opponent wasn't gaining three life, or drawing a card, or making a treasure, <laughs> yeah. or getting a token, or doing whatever, like, why am I going to play Infernal Getting Grasp? Land. Yeah, why am I going to play Infernal <laughs> Grasp when I could literally just play Omnath? You yeah. know, like, why am I going to play Thought Season Modern when I can play Omnath and Yorian? I just hope Urion goes at some point. And Ren and Six. <laughs> Screw that card. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very good card. But. It, it is, but again, enough for another recording. <laughs> uh, we've got a question from Mardu, Jake. What are our favourite commanders? What are we enjoying playing at the moment? Mm. I'm going to say Quintorius because that's the one I've been playing a lot of and I just really enjoy the sort of synergy it comes with. And it's an elephant. <laughs> good little elephant boy. Um... I have been enjoying playing Angelo from New Not Canada. Angelo. <laughs> no, no, not, not Angelo, sadly. Close enough, though. I've been mm. enjoying playing it, but every time I've played it, it's fallen flat on its face. And so, like, I'm really trying to, like, tweak it because it's weird to try and get the balance of creatures and spells and sacrifice stuff exactly right. But uh, I'm enjoying it. It's fun. Uh, Grixis copied Spell Aristocrats stuff is very enjoyable. That does sound fun. Um, so we've got a few more questions. We're going to make this like a quick fire, short yep. and sweet, just to cap off the episode. Uh, so we've got a question from Prost. Uh, what is Angelo's top five shirt patterns? Um, lemons, oranges, flamingos, flamingos, flamingos. But three flamingo shirts, or is it just yes. the same shirt? No, no, I have wow, three okay. flamingo shirts. Impressive. Okay. Yeah, I'm wearing. Uh, I'm literally wearing one right now. That leads into my question. Uh, next question from Jamie C. Why aren't there flamingos on your shirt? I'm guessing it's referencing to the the BM cast uh, tweet <laughs> about you know you're on the show and there's a picture of you in a flamingo floaty. Yep, but not with a flamingo shirt. Uh, the no. reason why is they were all dirty. And I was at a 4th of July party, and I was like, I'm not going to wear dirty shirts to a party, Mr. Jamie. I'm wearing a clean black Hawaiian tropical shirt. <laughs> but I'm going to be in a flamingo floaty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joe Chaney asks, do you own the flamingo floaty? No. Are you going to get one? I want one, but I don't have any, like, I could put it out in my <laughs> yard. <laughs> but Just I don't have any water. Yard? Yeah, just sit in my yard in a flamingo floaty. Uh, Joe Chaney also asks, how do you deal with haters? 
<laughs> well, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, I had a, a tweet go off last week uh, that drew the attention of some very unsavory magic Reddit or subreddits. And uh, the way that I dealt with the haters was I quote retweeted them, <laughs> put them on blast, and then good. immediately blocked them. And it was great. Yeah. It was awesome. And that's how I deal with them. That's how I deal with haters too. I just did a block button. <laughs> <laughs> And then the last question from Snapbolt Burrell, how hot is too hot for New England? It depends. You have a lot of different folks here. Me, I think like 75 into 80 is too hot. I want my AC on. I, wa I don't want to sweat when I'm in my house. Uh, I also know other people who are like, yeah, crank it up to 90. 90 is great. Open the windows. I want my house to be a sauna. And I'm like, wow. First of all, you're nuts. Second of all, that's the kind of scope that you're going to get because we have all four seasons here. We get every kind of weather imaginable. And therefore, the answer will vary by person. But for me, it's 80 degrees. 80 <laughs> degrees, I want my air on. I think 75 to 80 is my threshold, but we don't have AC here. So, yeah. because we're old England, apparently. Yeah. We're not England remastered. Yeah, in, yeah. Unlike England remastered, like us, uh, y'all, y'all haven't been able to get the technology for air conditioners. Not yet. Hamsters on the wheels don't really work, unfortunately. They die out too quick. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilgore Trout 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Monsoon Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, Tim Newman and Paul Newman. And at the Stonks tier, we have a nice planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Brogan, Nurblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, Simon Grip, Jamie Coyle, and Clyde Anderson. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck. Bye.